this up. This is crazy. If they can't help him, he don't have a friend left. Wait a minute. It's the Warriors music. It's the ultimate warrior. It is. Look at that. The ultimate warrior. What is he doing? Is he going to attack on him? What is going on here? that jabroni you call a partner the undertaker is booked tonight for a match that pretty much leaves you free so the rock says if you've got any fortitude and them little bitty things you call balls uh-oh uh-oh very personal here 
That's what this is about. Then tonight, in front of all the Rocks fans, you will go one on one with the great one. Rock laying down a challenge for the big show tonight. And go on and check your big fat ass directly into the SmackDown Hotel. Big show's gonna need a big king size bed, isn't he? <laughs> Wait a minute. American hero. On a winning streak here in the WWF. My angle's undefeated. So what I want you to do is take a nice deep breath, let it out, and remember, this is something that you could probably tell your grandkids about someday. It is. So what I want you to do is remember your three eyes. Come on out here and give it your all. Three eyes, JR. His opponent. Live here, ladies and gentlemen. This crowd is still buzzing just moments ago, and well, here comes Mr. McMahon back. He promised to name the new general manager of Raw. 
I feel like Booker T. Tell me I didn't just see Eric Bischoff. I, I'd like to think that's not it. But maybe I'm wrong. It, well, we saw Shane, and Shane wasn't it. Come on, Vince. Well, he said he's going to announce the new GM before the hour. He's got about a minute left. Come on. You know, you don't realize this, but it takes a real son of a bitch to be successful in this business. So from one son of a bitch to another, allow me to introduce you to the new general manager of Raw. His name is Eric Bischoff. I cannot believe this. I'm absolutely in shock. It's him. I can't even begin to tell our viewers, our new viewers, what this is going to be. Word 
match has now become a fatal four-way. Which means that there is one more team involved in this match. Now, I wonder who this fourth team could possibly be.
Pro Wrestling Spotlight, presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the exclusive execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in In Ric Flair, who you're looking at, the man. What is going on there to the big Vito Ice, to the Hami Nights, all the ice all over the world, the 12 most important ice, you know who you are, dumb dumb new idiots, oh, you know who you are, uh, wrestling podcast all over the world, you know who you are, all the Magnificent 7 Elite 8, the Naughty 9, the 250, and the Essential 11, you know who you are, did you miss us because we took a week off, you know? You know we have to take a week off. You know we have to, you know, recharge the batteries. We give you banger after banger after banger. And when you give those kind of bangers all the time, you know you have to rest. No homo. You just have to rest. You just have to recharge the batteries. Because I know where TW is going to go when every time I say banger. But he's going to say, who's sliding? What nail sliding the professor's DM? So I already stopped you from that. I already did the Eminem 8 Mile Rap. I already knew what you were going to say to me. But anyway, neither here nor there. But again, we just needed to rest. We needed to recharge our batteries. And of course, the most important reason why we took the week off is TW's exemplary attendance record. He's available, so I reward him with a week off. He deserves it. I can't pay him no money. I, I, I don't give him dental. I don't give him medical. So the best thing I can do is offer him a week off. And TW does it. Goes to the bars. He gets drunk. He gets plastered. And he's having fun. So he deserves it. Now he's back. He's sobered up. So is the professor. And we are here for a TW-inspired pro wrestling spotlight. But before we do that, before we get into this TW special... I must introduce myself because I am vain like that. I must introduce myself because I gotta lose some years. I gotta get younger. I feel older. I, you know, the body's crinkling. I, you know, my shoulder hurts. My knees hurt. Everything hurts, and I must get younger right now. So with that, shut the hell up. But anyway, with that being said, I am the most charismatic one. I am the most effervescent one. I am the most studious one. I am the most. Cocazoid one. No, see, wait, what the hell are you going with? Glorious. 
Well, I must say that, but anyway, see, you you always you jumped the gun too much. But neither here nor there. That's not the cokiest one before. Because I I have to read this thesaurus right now. So, but again, let me do my intro, please. Now I feel I you know I, I got a little older right now. Now now I'm gonna get younger right now because I am the most glorious one, the most objective man in the IWC, YWC, PWC, punishment. Yo, friend of mine, the Professor Chabel, the Cruz, and I'm not here alone. No, 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 no. I am here with my brother from another mother. The man who cannot stop Apple right now. It is controlling his every move. It knows what he's doing. It knows what, when he sleeps. It knows what he eats. It knows where he goes from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. He is your friend of mine. Mr. is doing doing his own. The conservative, liberal, the liberal conservative. The freaking sign so Mr. Wonderful. Tommy Wonder. What were you holding up? I saw NWO uh, aficionado stuff. Was it a magazine? It's weird because the the whole time that camera was moving, that was not me. I pulled this up like this. Look, there you go. It's moving it on its own. Mm -hmm. Like it knew. That's insanity. But this is Ringside Collectibles exclusive. It's the retros. It looks like the Hasbro's when we were kids. Mm -hmm. But I'm mad because look how thin this box is. Looks like a board game. And normally, this is the last one. This is, that, is from. Is that like photos and uh, and magazines and stuff? No, it's figures. Man, they're, they're miniaturized. They look like these. This is an old Hasbro figure. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's small, so it makes 90s. sense. Nineties. Yeah, yeah. But mm -hmm. these came from. Uh, you have to order these. These were the four that never got released. It was supposed to be Luger, Doink, Tugboat, and Greg the Hammer Valentine is Rockabilly or whatever. Anyway, uh, those you have to buy from... Where's the other one? Uh -huh. You had to buy from Mattel directly. Like It's called Mattel Creations, which, by the way, the crowdfunding for the Nitro Ring and five awesome Ultimate Edition figures failed, so it's not happening. Um, but anyways... Uh, those are exclusive, but they're two packs instead of four individuals. It's two uh -huh. two packs. Hogan and X Pac come together for some reason, and then Hall and Nash, obviously. But anyway, because that's the NWO connection, so right. it has to be. But before we start our show, I have, I I got a bitch. Listen, when do you not bitch? Last you week, for the second time. See, my fucking oh. series mad at me. Last week. For the second time in 11 months. Last uh -huh. year I went in June. This year I went in May. Last year I paid $100 to sit in the mezzanine, which is the little ring between the upper and lower bowls. I did that oh, back. you're going to talk about your excursion, the fun time you had at Little Caesars Arena where TW himself enjoyed the five hours of AEW. He enjoyed the two-hour dynamite. He enjoyed the one-hour rampage. Probably enjoyed a one one hour uh, dark uh, house rules matches or whatever. So what say ETW? Last year I went. I bought my tickets early because I thought it was going to sell out. It did not sell out. As I walked up, I could have got my same ticket that I spent one hundred and five dollars on for thirty five dollars. But mm -hmm. last year there were more people there. This year it was not as full, but I did watch it back on TV and it looked full. So at least that was there. Mm -hmm. um, but it, there was a lot of empty seats on the main level, plus up top. But during year, Dynamite or during Rampage? Cause it's, Rampage it's, or Dynamite for Dynamite. Oh, oh, okay. So last year, Adam Cole was hurt 
he wasn't there. So this year, I'm like, he's in one of the the top feuds with Jericho. He's going to be there. Not even booked. And then Jericho's not even there because he's uh -huh. backstage telling us that if he's there, Adam Cole can't be there. Then Roddy Strong comes out to tell us. That's my backup. Number two, Roddy. He is there to tell us he's going to wrestle next week. I don't know if you heard it on TV, but that entire arena booed when Roddy Strong said next week. Um, yeah, I heard that. But last year, I stayed. I watched the tapings for Elevation or whatever that other show is called. Uh -huh. I watched the whole Blood and Guts show. I sat around for th 30 minutes while they cleaned up after Blood and Guts. And I didn't leave there until after midnight for Rampage. This year, as soon as Dynamite ended, I got up and left. I didn't even stay. I mean, Dynamite. I didn't right. even stay for damage. Ramp, whatever the fuck it's called. Rampage. Because I had my buddy text me at home going, hey, man, are they saying what matches are going to be for Rampage? And he's like, not yet, not yet. And then when they said the only one I think I wish I'd have stayed for, and it would have been first, is the Acclaim. I, I wish I'd have stayed for that. But uh, mm -hmm. other than that, I watched it, and I think Tony Storm wrestled. That was horrible. But I got to tell you, I know everyone thinks I hate AEW. I do not. I gave them $100 again for this ticket that I could have got for $35 walking up. But it was a much closer seat. I know my pictures, everyone thought I was in the nosebleeds. I was in the lower level, 16 row from the barricade, right where Moxley came out to come to the ring. I was right above him. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, it... Last year, I thought blood. I told you, I thought blood and guts was horrible to watch live because when they weren't on camera, the wrestlers that were in the match were just sitting there like this, like they knew they weren't on camera. It was so unprofessional. Uh, Jack Swagger rolled between the apron and the ring, so you couldn't see him hiding, you know, uh -huh. on the side of the ring. This time, dude, I all I can tell you is I was bored to death for most of it, and that makes me sad because. Granted, something even, said about even Adam with Cole the not being even there. with the cage match, the you, cage couldn't, match you couldn't, you couldn't so do this. You couldn't do um, this. Th that match was so unbearable to watch, and I don't know. It had to get picked up on camera. John Moxley went Broadway with that turnbuckle. He couldn't get it off. One time limit draw. Finally got it off, and they gave him the Bronx cheer, which you know what the Bronx cheer is. It's a Yankees reference where they cheer him for just doing his job, right? Mm -hmm. And when he did it. He turned and lifted the crowd and goes, ah, and like celebrated. I would hope they didn't put that on TV because that's not his character, right? He's supposed to be serious. Um, but it took so long. Um, I didn't see Don Callis turning on him. I keep reading everybody did. I didn't. Um, yeah, I thought it was did. stupid that the Young Bucks helped him in the beginning, but then didn't come save him when Don Callis turned on him. So that was weird. But it was just, it was, here, here's the deal. And again, I've been to an Impact show. I've been to a WWE show, and now I've been to AEW twice. It's run like an indie show. It It is so, un, I don't want to say unprofessional, but it's it's not well run. To be there live and to see it. The, the word you're looking for is structured. That's it's not it. structured at there you all. Go. It, is, it is like Impact was a, I didn't, like I wasn't familiar with, I'm way more familiar with AEW than Impact. But mm -hmm. I sat at that pay-per-view last month or whatever it was two months ago, and I enjoyed every second of it. I didn't know who half of these people were, and I just watched it. It was good. I, it was structured. Raw, SmackDown. I never want. And I've told you my m number one thing I hate about Raw and SmackDown is when they go to commercial for you, it goes dark in the ring, and the wrestlers just stand there. 
and wait for their lights to come back on. But not if they already started wrestling. That's just if they're introduced. They got to sit there for four minutes while it's a commercial. Uh But it it was just so bad. And I just saw, man. And then the fans around me were questioning why Claudio would be wrestling for a shot at the tag belt. Why, if he lost it and the guy just win the belt? Why why did he win? He gets a shot then. I always feel non-title matches are dumb. If you lose, that guy's the champion now. That's how it should be. That's how I would book a promotion. It would be absolutely no non-title matches. But you had fans around me. You're questioning the Booker of the Year three times over? People around me were. They're like, yeah, that's kind of a weird stipulation. And there there were people. And I I told my buddy that went with me. I said, dude, if the diehards start smelling turds, this company's in trouble. Because, Uh I mean, I hope that Wembley Stadium is is a rebirth. I hope they make it there with some momentum and I hope it's a rebirth. And then they come out 70, 70,000 and counting. So yeah, but it's in one country. It's not, not, they've never been to. So that's 70,000 do it in Dallas, do it in Dallas. And I'll jump up with you and be like, yeah, but Mm -hmm. I I just, they need someone needs to sit Tony down and say, so you keep doing Tony stuff. Mm -hmm. They got to sit him down and just give him better help. He's got better help. That's J E double F. J A double R E double T. Yeah. Well, I don't know about booking, but he's uh he's booking the, the arenas now. So you know he's good, booking good. the venues. So. But it's not all doom and gloom, even though I paid $105 for that ticket. Mm-hmm. Even though I paid $40 for some chicken, fries, and one beer. Okay. Even though I spent $80 in merch only to get the newest Adam Cole shirt. It's sweet, it's got pink in it, it's awesome. I told that dumb bitch extra large. I put it on the other day. She gave me a large. So I got to lose weight to wear that shirt. Otherwise, it looks like I'm pregnant. Uh-huh. But I didn't walk away empty handed. Bam! Micro Brothers. Adam I thought Cole I missed out on both of these. They were like a one-week exclusive on uh, on ProWrestlingTees.com. And I got them both. I paid $20 each for them both. But that's what uh-huh. I would have paid on ProWrestlingTees.com. So now I just need a Lex Luger American flag version and Cody Rhodes micro brawler. I think I'm good with micro brawlers. There, there you go. So, you know, you had a great time, maybe, but it was the investment. It was the investment journey. I paid all $200 worth. for two figures and a shirt I can't wear. It's all worth it. It's all <laughs> worth it at the end no, of the day. 220 With tax. I get it. I get you. I get you. But anyway. That was TW's uh, adventures, so to speak. You know, we have and the under- shirt is not as wrinkled as it's looking on the screen. I don't, this is a smooth shirt. I think it's the chest here underneath it is making it look wrinkled. Yeah, it's the rippling, uh, the nipples, and then your chest hair. It's all that's popping out right now. So anyway, let's get into this TW special. This is TW's handpicked idea that the professor loved, and this is a pro wrestling spotlight: greatest returns and debuts. So. You know, for the reflection, I, for the 12 ride or die, you already know. For this one, it's going to be a little bit different because we have to venture the present and then work our way back into the past a little bit. Why did TW do this? Well, because I'm going to give you the, the, the wrestling reason first, at least for today's purposes, 2020 press purposes. Whether TW agrees with it or not, I don't know. I can read his mind. I, I, I'm telekinetic like that. But anyway. The reason I believe that TW picked this is because what is going on right now? AEW's new show, Collision, is going to happen on TNT this coming June. Their first show is going to be in Chicago. 
dead giveaway. And somebody is returning for the second time, and they're calling it the second coming. But we're going to get into that return a little bit later. But it dawned on TW and it dawned on the on the professor to really like hone in on this kind of subject because it's a very you know I don't think a lot of nostalgic podcasts really like hammer down on this because you know why one reason is this you can only do like maybe five minutes of a show you can only name your greatest returns there's really nothing to like talk about what did they do what moves did they do did they win the match or or, or all that stuff so again as fans. We are going to try to explain this as best as we possibly can because I'm going to give you the fandom on my end because I have some memories of greatest returns and debuts that popped the professor. But I want to start a little bit differently because I want to talk to the man that kind of experienced it in his wrestling days. Calavera Cortez himself, Los Rudos himself. I wanted to talk to TW first. Don't use examples, TW, of other wrestlers. I want to talk about your experiences here because you went on the highways and byways in Michigan and Ohio and all this stuff. You wrestling like Border City, you wrestling other like big time wrestling, whatever the case may be. But I know in your wrestling days, you went from, let's say, big time wrestling to Border City wrestling and then returned to big time wrestling. And I know fans remember Calavera Cortez. I, re I know fans remember Los Rudos. So I want because we are doing the pro wrestling spotlight, your handpicked episode. I wanted to start with you, TW, you, Calavera Cortez, you, you and your partner, Los Rudos. I'm sure that you had, I wouldn't say the greatest debut because, you know, with all due respect, you know, in the indie shows, nobody knows who Calavera Cortez is just yet. But you, you build the rep of Calavera Cortez. You build the rep for Los Rudos. So I'm sure you had better debuts than you did with the day. I mean, better returns than debuts. So let's sure. say TW in the experience. of Well, actually, I have two. And you're allowing me to name drop one of them right now. So mm -hmm. um, there was CWF and GLW. Basically, the same people ran them, but one person was the booker. You know, two guys ran them, but they ran them like, we were all one promotion, even though they had two different call letters and champions were different. Um, so GLW and MTW, if you wrestle, not MTW, MTW is the greatest promotion in Michigan history, but GLW and MCWF, Championship Wrestling Federation, Great Lakes Wrestling, um, which Great Lakes Wrestling went on to be a, an NWA affiliate. And I was the number five contender for the NWA World Light Heavyweight title because I wrestled Ronnie Vegas. In yep. Flint, Michigan, but I lost. But anyways, um, so as a tag team Los Rudos, I turned on Rico. Um, I was a bad guy most of the time. Me turning on him made him a good guy, obviously. Um, uh -huh. And so uh, I had two different returns uh, where I ended up being a good guy. One of them was still as Calavera Cortez, but I was in a different tag team with Mike Legacy. I think I told the story before Missy Hyatt was supposed to be on the show and she backed out like the day of the show or the night before mm -hmm. and they got me to replace her and I was a surprise opponent for Skull Gans I came in beat him for the title everybody went banana because Calavera came back and I by myself singles and won the belt and I wrestled there for a couple more months and made the mistake of going to wrestle for uh 
ICW, Insane Championship Wrestling, because this is where I made a debut. Okay. That one was a return. This one's a debut. So when I made my debut for ICW, um, it was actually my second return there. That's what it was. This is all tied together. I had already went there mm-hmm. because during those Rudos matches for GLW and CWF, the crowd would chant sex and violence. And I would look around and go, what the fuck? Like Bush, remember, no sex in your violence. So I used mm-hmm. to think, why are they chanting that? Because we're wrestling two old dudes called the Outlaws, my buddies, one rest in peace, Woody and Dave. But they weren't saying sex and violence to them guys. They were in their almost 40s when I'm in my 20s wrestling them. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm like, I kept going, why are they chanting sex and violence? Next month, they did it again. And little do I know, it's a tag team in ICW. So if someone finally says, oh, it's a tag team over in ICW, when when they wrestle, the crowd chants Los Rudos. So I found out that the fans wanted to see Los Rudos versus Sex and Violence, but the problem was the original Forbidden Door, the one in Michigan. Uh-huh. And so I was like, well, let's give it to them. And I told the guys that I wrestled for, I'm like, hey, man, bring these guys in. Can't do it. They work for Malcolm. And I go, okay. I called Malcolm. Who gave me my very first Malcolm Monroe used to wrestle against the Sheik in Detroit all the time, sweet daddy. Got rest his soul. I called him up and I said, Hey Malcolm, you got he's got a team called Sex and Violence down there. They're chanting their names when I wrestle. I go, let's do it. He's like, You'll come over here and wrestle. And I'm like, Hell yeah, I will. And I went and that was it. They stopped using this for CWF. So that's when I came back as myself uh-huh. and beat Skull Gantz. Sex and Violence is Joey Legend and Sex and Hardcastle who we all know and love is Edge. And uh-huh. when we showed up and wrestled them, that place went banana because they we were surprised. They didn't even tell them that we were there. And it was for a tag team tournament. It was four teams. Los Rudos, the Outlaws, who I told you about, who they they ended up going over and wrestling because I said I was. Uh-huh. And Sex and Violence. And the Suicide, or not the Suicide Blondes, it was... I don't even remember their team, but well, that we'll team call was, them the sui- we'll call them the suicide. Well, the suicide bonds were were sex and hard. Cast. I know, I know. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Let's just. But this was Zach Wild and Christian Cage. Oh, so okay. me and Rico beat Zach Wild and Christian Cage. Sex and violence beat the Outlaws, and then we wrestled, and that place was like, holy shit, holy, you know, like an ECW chant. Uh, mm-hmm. To be to GLW and CWF's credit. They had bigger crowds. There weren't that many people at the ICW shows. Um, and they were on the other side of town. So that's why another reason why I didn't get it. Like, you're 50 minutes away from each other. Why do you care if we wrestle? You know, obviously, it's the same fan base. And you're not getting all of them. So use both of us, and they'll come to every show. So they channel the, the shit. The invisible line. The invisible borderline. Had one of the best matches I've ever had, ever, in that night. Ended in a, a dusty finish. No winner setting up the return match where we fought again to where I did have the best match of my career, uh, mm-hmm. Sex and Violence versus Los Rudos. And uh, it, it was awesome. And then after that, I went back to the CWF and, uh, and, and did that. Then I went and wrestled Christian in a singles match, but they made me lose my belt first because they didn't want their champion looking bad. So I ended up going back there, and that was on – close to the town and people pop when i came out as a surprise opponent for christian cage so i did have a couple that were not on the level of the ones we're going to talk about here but locally no, i i just wanted good. i wanted the reflection i to understand it from your 
perspective and your, you know, your background and all that stuff. So my, my question, favorite one though, real quick, my favorite okay. one though, but there, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say the fans didn't remember us, but it had been so long that I don't think every fan there would have been someone who saw us before. Right. So, okay. um, what year are we talking about? Uh, well, 2000 next year's oh four no this this fall will be the 25th anniversary of bcw actually 30th mm -hmm. so yeah because it was uh, my 30th will be next year 30th anniversary of bcw so it was 10 years ago so mm -hmm. uh 2013 yes that's when i broke my hand um i hadn't wrestled for bcw since 2001 when i got kicked out of canada because i wouldn't buy a, a visa so from 2001 on, I wrestled for OCW, which was what you call a uh, outlaw wrestling federation. Because BCW owns Windsor and they, anywhere around there. Uh -huh. um, so we wrestled for them at a bar called Dylan's. So for 12 years, I hadn't wrestled for BCW. And at the 15-year reunion, which would have been five years sooner, 2008, I went to the reunion show and they put us on the tv at like highlights uh -huh. and then i did like a i spoke and i'm on a dvd talking about the the beginnings of bcw and then five years later i came out and i wrestled in the legends match and so for me personally yes there was a handful of people going yes tommy wonder because by then i was tommy wonder again i wasn't calavera cortez and that's what i started out as so for me personally that would have been my emotional one is coming out and doing that. And so okay. I broke my hand and then it ruined the whole fucking night. And I was going to do a divorce. Well, well the, that, that actually goes into the question I want to ask you because while we're doing this as fans, we're going to talk about Reflection Night's greatest returns and debuts and we'll give our favorite fandom moments in just a bit. But I want to ask this to you, TW, because of this. You know, every wrestler always has this kind of like question for themselves. When it in regards to either a debut, well, more into the return, not the debut. The return is, do the people miss me? Will the people be invested in me? Remember me. Or remember me. So, TW, can you get into the wrestler's psyche of how, like, before even going through the curtain, how, you know, daunting of that thought process is for the wrestler. It's it's not just that. It's coming out wrestling in general. Like, it, you mm -hmm. know, that's the one thing about indies is they're all, we call them spot shows where you're going to a town for the first time. You got one shot and you come out and fall flat. Not only does this promotion might not ever wrestle there again, but if everyone else does good, but you, you ain't coming back with them if they do. So mm -hmm. you, that's why, you know, that's why even as a kid, I hated the idea that Ricky Steamboat got punished for outshining Hogan at WrestleMania three, which I disagree. I think it, I think as someone that was there, it was just a fucking awesome night. Cause everything was great. Right. I didn't mm -hmm. look at it as Steamboat outshine Hogan. However, I did leave with a Ricky Steamboat poster and him as my new favorite wrestler, but I still care that Hogan beat Andre. You know what I mean? So when you're on an indie show, if your mentality is not, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to steal the show. If that isn't what you try to do every single time, and to add to it, I heard someone say this before. It might have been a pro football player, hockey player. Somebody said it. They said, 
if you don't have butterflies every time you go out there and stop doing it, right? Because mm-hmm. you should have, it might've been a wrestler. You should always have butterflies because if you're not nervous, you don't care. And so when you don't wrestle for a while and you come back, uh, I'll give you a more recent example. Also 2013, I hadn't wrestled in Lima, Ohio since probably 98, 99, because I got a job working Saturdays and I couldn't make it down there for Saturday shows anymore. So it, it had been a good almost 15 years. And I oh. went down and for the first Hall of Fame induction ever, I inducted um, the Outlaws, the guys that I keep talking about. And when I went down there, absolutely was certain no one was going to remember me you know like these people watching now is a whole new generation they probably don't even know al snow for that matter because he hadn't been wrestling in lima since he went to wwe and when i came out and stood on the podium to introduce bobby lee it wasn't everyone but i heard enough shouts of calavera tommy wonder i heard enough of them that i felt great immediately like man yeah, that's all you hope for is at least one person knows who you are. Right. When they say your name, it gives credence to the fact that you're there inducting somebody. And it was worth it. That <laughs> your career was worth it. The, yeah. The the, the blood, sweat, and tears. Right. And the blood, sweat, and tears that you put into that venue and that organization and that town was all worth it just to get, you know, people saying Calavera Cortez or Tommy right. Wonder. So, you know, again, reflection ice. This is a great choice by UTW. So, you know, that's why I wanted to start with you because I wanted you to give that wrestler perspective on it. Now we'll give it to the fan perspective that we've seen. We've had, we have years. We have mountains of returns and debuts, but we're not going to name them all because then there'll be a five hour show and I'm not going <laughs> to do that to y'all. But anyway, another, we're going to start with the man in 2021 that, really like gives me the the starting the the starting point to even do this greatest returns and debuts because this man did it all in one shot in 2021 in august of 2021 aew brought back after a seven-year hiatus he didn't do anything else he didn't go to new japan he didn't go to impact wrestling he didn't do a ring of honor but he was on twitter a lot he blocked me on twitter but that's neither here nor there but in august but well he he did fox but in the ring, in a ring in front of 10,000 people, he came back after seven years, and that is CM Punk. And he's going to have a second coming when AEW has their second show. But we're not talking about that, TW. Let's just talk about 2021, CM Punk, seven-year hiatus. We saw the we – can, we can remember the visuals. There, were, there was a guy who became a meme you. crying. That was that a meme. That was that you. That's not that was, a doppelganger. That, that was you. No, that was Ray's cousin. But neither here nor there. But the meme of a of a guy crying for CM Punk, it I meant love. it meant something to that gentleman right there. We could have, we can make fun of the meme. We can have all these jokes and all that stuff. Never made but, fun of that guy once. I love that guy. I would meet that guy. I would buy that guy a drink. I'd hang out with that guy. Right. But the aura, the presence of a seven year hiatus. People, no matter how you feel about CM Punk reflection nights. Very polarizing person, very polarizing personality, TW, but you cannot deny the impact. Even for seven years away, 10,000 people chanting CM Punk. The anticipation was there, and just they couldn't even, they didn't want him to even speak first. 
They just wanted to keep chanting his name. So what say ETW about that aura, the guy crying, and that meaning of not only it's a return to, to a wrestling ring in front of 10,000 people, but a debut all rolled up into one. I, you know what? It was. I, I'm pretty sure they didn't advertise it. It was the worst kept secret, just like June's mm-hmm. going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one who wasn't going to believe it until I saw it. And mm-hmm. I had two feelings. Um, you know that I have since come around on him. Uh, I don't. I'll, I'll save how I really feel from you know my own opinion for June mm-hmm. and see how he comes back. I my two opinions were. Good for you. You should have done this a long time ago. But as soon as he starts burying WWE, I'm like, it, it was, it fell for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but when you just said it was 2021, I had no idea who you're gonna talk about because I literally thought it was 2022. So that means this summer will be that would be two years ago already, and he's almost missed a year. Is he got hurt in September? I think. He got hurt in September and then yeah. beat up the the elite and then got suspended. You could say a double secret probation thing. So yeah. and of course legalities but and all that stuff. We're not it's not. It's not. I don't think it's the best comeback ever. Just because it, it, it's great and I well, think I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not really talking about the result. No, 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 after. No, no, I'm just no, talking no, about no. that aura, that feeling for everybody, and especially right. the guy crying because yeah. it's been. It no, was seven and years. I love that guy because. You know, I don't want to flop around, but that guy was me in 1993, I believe, or 92, whatever year it was. But but I, I'm glad it happened. And to me, just like I say about Kurt Angle going to Impact, he had to do it because he probably wouldn't still have been in the business if he would have kept – he probably wouldn't be alive if he kept the pace he was going with the WWE with the pain pills and all that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, especially how it all played out – at some point, CM Punk has to go back to the WWE. I don't know how or when. I have more hope that that's going to happen now after the stuff that just happened recently. But I'm glad it happened. And I'm glad that that guy cried. And I'm glad that new people got to see him. And and I'm especially glad because it turned out that him and I hate the same people. And so me and Punk <laughs> are one and the same. And, and, and that turned me around on him because same thing with listening to that FDR, FDR guy's podcast. You know, you have these opinions of people because of what you see them do on social media. But at the end of the day, it boils down to one thing. CM Punk has passion for the business. It's what he always wanted to do. He's done it. He's made millions doing it. He's a household name. If he, if the cards play out the way they should be, he will be in the WWE Hall of Fame. He will have a legend steal. He'll have all that stuff. I think it's closer to ever happening now, whereas before I didn't, because that was my problem with it. I felt like it was only happening so he could take shots at the WWE. Um, I think him doing that Fox show was proof that he still had an itch for it. You know what I mean? And I think then, if AEW doesn't exist, it ends up being WWE. But once that came around, that just made it all the more possible to do it without selling out and all that kind of stuff. But I'm glad he did it, and I think it's a great, great return. Um, I just could have done without some of the negative aspects of it. But that's, that's a great starting point. This Even though you like, bypassed someone else's triumphant return in, to, in front of 80,000 people. Again, we're going back front 
side yeah. to side, all this stuff. I, because I this is what right reflects from it. back to front. That's an interesting new bring. I, no, I do side to side because you gotta you gotta sand the floor. Is you know everything. Karate Kid, sand the floor, paint the you fence, slap your ass cheeks to white. What are you doing? You do the Mr. Miyagi to toilet bowl uh, cleaning. But anyway, neither here nor there. But uh, see, there you go. Paint the fence. <laughs> but this is what the this is what the pro wrestling reflection is all about. We don't we don't chronologicalize it because TW always has a harangue and gives me every venture from every decade. But neither here nor there. So with that being said, we talk about CM Punk a little bit. Let's talk about an angle return. And TW kind of hinted on it, and it happened at the Hoosier Dome. It happened at WrestleMania Eight. Hulk Hogan was defending his title against, no, he wasn't defending his title. He was double main eventing it against Sid Vicious, a.k.a. Sid Justice. And, of course, Papa Shango comes out. Papa Shango. It was a two-on-one. Bobby Heaton, if you watched it on pay-per-view, Bobby Heaton said the best line ever. He doesn't have a friend in the world. And then you hear the music. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. And in front of 50, 60,000 people at the Hoosier Dome, who comes running down with it's the perfect scenario of a rundown? It was the Ultimate Warrior. He was kind of he was 20 pounds lighter, but that was because of the steroids. And of course, the legalities about that, TW, we don't have to go into that, but again, shorter I'll, hair. I will shorter hair, but I can abbreviate it for the reflectionites. Remember, he held WWF hostage at SummerSlam 91. He wanted the money. He got the money, and then he got fired. He also had issues with steroids. And, of course, Vince McMahon, on a PR uh, blitz, had that drug uh, program. So Ultimate Warrior had to lose 20 pounds and get the steroids out of his system. But neither here nor there. But this was the best return for the Ultimate War. He did a couple of more. But it did not have the same cachet. It did not have the same feeling until maybe when he was uh, getting inducted to the Hall of Fame in 2014, where the people, you know, with the nostalgic, we love you, we respect you, we, we, we remembered you and all that stuff. But I want to hone in on the 92 because we knew Hogan was kind of semi-retiring. We knew Hogan was, you know, he had the, the steroid issues himself. So he had to be he had to stay away. So the ultimate word was be was going to be given the torch to go against Sid Justice, to go against Papa Shango and all that stuff. But at least for one night, TW, he got a moment in front of 60,000 people at the Hoosier Dome. The people remembered him and the people wanted him. What say you about the ultimate warrior returning for WrestleMania 8 and 19? It's my number one favorite WrestleMania moment was that. And I've told the story on here before. Uh, two of my best friends, we call ourselves the Warriors to this, to this day, and there's there's other guys that are a part of the Warriors. Uh, my One of my best friends, Dennis and Bob, who I would try to get them to go to wrestling shows, and, and they were adamant. They, would, they had never been live, and they said they would never, ever go to a wrestling show live unless the Warrior was on it. When that dude's music hit, now that was a good secret. That was before the internet, before everything was ruined. The rag sheets, my Meltzer might have been telling people in the rag sheets, but I ain't never been one to send that guy money to get one. So uh, when that music hit, you had three 18-year-old dudes look at each other. No, we jumped up from our seats, looked at each other, and all three of us were jumping around hugging each other. Pretty sure those two cried. I didn't. And I was like, holy shit. And then we knew it was the warrior right away. There was rumors that he died and that was a body double and someone else took his place. It's always been one warrior. It's never not been the same guy, Jim Helwig. 
it, it and it is hands down as far as feelings like how you felt in a moment uh-huh. uh and my other my second favorite is eddie Guerrero and benoit you know we're not supposed to talk about him when they had their moment that's my second favorite moment is that because that's uh-huh. two dudes that came up together that are holding two respective world titles at the end of the night at wrestlemania that's a great moment too it's it's the heartstrings um but that warrior comeback and it didn't last long so my question for you is it was was it the hogan warrior sergeant slaughter mustafa match that he held him up yeah SummerSlam 91 so that was after he lost the belt yeah so when he fought macho man at wembley mm-hmm. that later that year was all was he, technically forgiven, and that's why. He but wasn't wasn't he world champion? No, that was not a world title match. It was, but he wasn't the champion. It was Savage was the champion? Oh, and he didn't win it. He won by count. Yeah. Savage won by count out. Savage won. I think so. And then it was the year later that he got Savage reinstated to be his partner at Ultimate Maniacs, and what's no, that's the, the same. That's the same year, right? But that's when he got fired. It was right after that. Yeah, he got fired in ninety one. Mr. Perfect came back, came back in ninety yeah. came back in ninety two and then uh got fired again by uh, Survivor Series ninety two because he uh held them up we, for more days. Week, weekend warrior didn't want to wrestle during the week. Neither here nor there, but again, he had his moment in the Sun Reflection Nights. He did it in front of sixty thousand people. And again, he was given the ball, but he did not score a touchdown, TW. So we could say that. But for that one moment and clotheslining Papa Shango, a.k.a., you know, the Godfather over the top rope, didn't touch Sid, Sid Vicious. But, again, that was supposed to be the prelude for the house show matches. But, again, that's neither here nor there. That's logistics. So, you know what? Let's go springboard a little bit because you've always talked about this. And since it is a debut slash return, let's go back to a debut. Now, 2016 Royal Rumble Reflection Nights. This man was deemed the hottest free agent, according to Michael Cole. But at the Royal Rumble, he was number the number three entrant. Nobody knew the music. But when everybody looked at the Titantron, it said three words. I am phenomenal. Everybody knew it. And it was AJ Styles, who was the number three entrant, a surprise entrant. For the Royal Rumble. And of course, Roman Reigns had that like doofus look on his face, like, who the hell is this? You know, he was selling the fact that he didn't know AJ Styles is in the building. But again, it was one of the quote unquote worst kept secrets because we knew that AJ Styles was on his way to the WWE. But again, I'll say this, TW, on the on the fandom scale, I think there was more, it was more debatable at that point. Was he gonna get a pop? Was he gonna get a high reaction? Because you know, TNA, they, he was the big shark in a little pond. And, of course, he went all around the world. He went to New Japan. He became the heavyweight champion, was in Ring of Honor. And, of course, you know, he was still a big shark. But a lot of people say that's a small pond, especially Ring of Honor. It's still a small pond. New Japan was a big was a big lake, you could say. But it's overseas. But he was building a rep. But the question among the American fans, and of course, for me, I, I, I was on the fence, CW, I'll be honest with you. I, I said, I don't know if the fans, I'm not going to say the fans won't know who he is. I just don't know if Vince McMahon 
will get the reaction that he wanted because he paid him all this money to get the pop. And I was wrong. He got a huge pop in Orlando. 10, 15,000 people knew who he was and it was all worth it. And he's still been there to this day, seven years. So if he retires or goes to AEW, I'm not going to be mad at that, but he's had a stellar run in WWE since that debut in 2000. He's probably, he's probably the guy that removed the stigma that they won't push guys that aren't homegrown, right? So, mm -hmm. but of course it didn't remove the stigma because fucking internet wrestling fans have short memories. They immediately think everyone's going to get buried and all that stuff. But he got a huge pop. I didn't know there was only 15,000 people there. The risk of coming out somewhere other than WrestleMania is a WrestleMania crowd, even though it's massive, it's wrestling fans from all around the world. It's diehards. So you, you're guaranteed to have people know who someone is regardless, unlike AEW where that dude attacked Orange Cassidy and uh, everyone around me is going, who the fuck is that guy? K Kyler Wheeler or some shit from New Japan, IWGP. Uh, Kyle Fletcher. You even that, you even like tweeted that. me. You, yeah, you, like, who the hell is that guy? Who is that? And I'm like, that's the guy from New Japan. Yeah, you said, I think that's the guy from New Japan. Oh, no, did you tell me he was in the tag team? or did uh, I, I, watched said, the show back. I said it was a tag team from New Japan. Yeah, I said it so, was off the open. So him coming out and AJ, someone I never liked, right? I didn't dislike him like CM Punk, where mm -hmm. I legitimately just didn't think he was a good human. I just never was into AJ. But the dude went and reinvented the wheel. And I, I would say he's the prototype for the guy who's running shit right now in WWE, who's, who's the top guy. Because that guy left Impact. I think he grew his hair out somewhat on Impact before. But, but the guy in, in New Japan that came to WWE... It's not even remotely the same guy that was Impact World Champion. Like he, he looked like a little kid there, like a high school quarterback. Yeah, and, and Impact, the, the, he looked. He, the hair was small. New Japan, he was starting to grow it out, like Justin Bieber. And right. then now in WWE, it's it's the soccer mom look, but he, he looks like Xbox. <laughs> looks yeah. like Xbox to me. But mm -hmm. I have I have I have been so such an agent. He he's to me the best guy. I'm, I'm happy to see him back. I hope that injury maybe makes him stick around a little longer, as he said. When this contract's up, he's retiring. He's going home to his family. But he mm -hmm. said he might want to be an agent or, or, or the school trainer kind of thing. But um, I hope he gives it a, another run, you know, because he got that missed time or whatever. But he's – he's I, every time I see him in the ring, I think to myself, as little as he looked in impact, like size-wise, mm -hmm. he never looks small to me in WWE because he's a star. And that's like – Finn Balor is a fucking star – when he's the demon, when he's not the demon, he looks like J.D. McGonna or whatever his name is. But when you have mm -hmm. that aura to you, but now I think because of Judgment Day, Finn Balor is also a star that it doesn't matter how big he is. And then the more guys you have like like Roman, who's going to bump for AJ, who's going to bump for Finn, the less people give a shit about size anymore. So I give AJ credit. That debut was phenomenal, pun mm -hmm. intended. And it it within months he was the world champion and feuding with John Cena. That's you can't ask for more. And right. he's a I believe he was a Grand Slam champion. He has a a poster you can buy from the shop that he's a Grand Slam champion. Uh, he's got to bring his friends in and be with him on TV. Uh, new gear, just he's and he's grateful. Like like you don't ever hear a he's, bad. He's word very from humble. Him. He's very humble for sure. He's very family-oriented. He's a very so, Christian-based man, and, and he walks the walk. And he's somebody that 
if I had sons, if they looked up to him, I'd be happy that that he'd be the guy they chose. And again, once again, reflectionist, I'm glad I was wrong. I I was I was concerned more. I mean, it's not about the push. I was not. Concerned I had a concern for a different guy. No, so. no. But anyway, but I just wanted to let's put a bow on this. I was right. only concerned because again, the pop. I was concerned for the pop. Would it? You know, again, we just talked about it with you. It would have made you know, him sink or swim right there. It, it, because if the pop wasn't big enough, it, it didn't garner the reaction that Vince hoped for, then we would not have gotten Styles and Cena at, at like a at Royal Rumble. One of the best matches in Cena's career was against AJ Styles because AJ Styles makes everybody look like a million bucks. So, it, but it took that way. Yeah, you'll go with. You always talk about that. But anyway, <laughs> AJ Styles needed that pop, and the result is a seven-year career already. That's Hall of Fame-ish. Right now, for WWE purposes, so you was gonna you said something that kind of like you, you was concerned on a different scale, or so you're worried about him legitimately, like you should be worried about him. Right. The guy I was worried coming out to no pop is stupid that I would have thought he didn't have a pop, but but that's that's the machine, and and sometimes even though that IWC YWC drives me fucking nuts every now and again, they get me caught up in some of that stuff, and the guy I thought was going to come out to possibly no reaction was Cody. Oh, okay. Well, oh, all right. Let's talk about, well, Cody coming back at WrestleMania in Dallas, Texas. Again, not a big secret reflectionites, right? But he came back. But it was, I'll believe it when I see it, but he came back as Seth Rollins secret opponent. And WWE did the smart thing by giving him the AEW entrance where he came up elevated up from the elevator you know, the the stage elevator, and then the 50, 60,000 that was at Texas Stadium. I forget what it's called, but you know what I'm talking about. It was AT&T. Dallas, Texas. AT&T Stadium. They remember who Cody Rhodes is. They Vince McMahon was smart enough for that. I don't want to really talk about Cody because that's a little bit too present, but I understand where you're going with that. There was no concern because, again, mm-hmm. like, you, like you said, it's an international crowd. It's it's a very IWC YWC oriented. But I didn't think he'd get pop. that pop. I, I meant I thought he'd get a pop, but not that pop. Oh and no, I, I was not concerned about that because again, there's a difference right now because I can talk about the difference between AJ and Cody. There was no AEW in 2016. Right. So there is a concern there. I'm not concerned here because there is this thing that you already know that I say a lot. The word is tribalism. I was not afraid of people trying to boo Cody out of the building. They were not going to allow it. It was not going to happen. It was going to be a pop because we wanted, I think for WWE fans, they wanted to prove a point to AEW fans. Not only welcome home, but you lost a superstar. You lost a pillar. You lost a top draw. They wanted to prove AEW fans more wrong than ever. So I was never concerned about that. So, so that's, here, that's, just just to talk about something real quick, you said WWE was smart to do. Cody told them, "Listen, I want my own music. I want my same entrance. I want my same gear." And they said to him, "Cody, everything that you're doing right now is what we want you to do here because the shit works. Just bring everything, whatever you want to do, bring it. Whatever you've been doing, and that's what they've done. And he, in this last year." Obviously, he was hurt for some of it. Uh-huh. That dude on live TV in Jacksonville said, hey, guys, I spent a lot of the quarantine time here with you guys, and we made some memories. The guy is, is 
per, persona non grata. He can do no wrong there. And it's it's beautiful to see. And I think he knows it. And I think they know they have to let him do it because that's how you're getting Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks to come there is because they're watching to see how Cody is being used. And the fact that he references we're, everything. We're, we're not going to go there. We're not going to try to blur that out. We're just going to focus on the people. But I understand where you're going comeback is one that's so much bigger. That's why I'm glad you at least let me talk about it. The way he left, the way he started AEW, he should be CM Punk. Never, ever coming back on the band name list, all that. Him coming back is he bet on himself and won. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And and so it's 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 uh, – I'm not going to lie. I was skeptical. I thought, okay, he's going to get this big pomp and circumstance. He's going to lose to Seth. He didn't. Then he beat him two more times, and he got hurt. And now it's like – yeah, he's 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 doing great. He lost to Roman. Yeah. Everyone's still pissing their pants about it. It was perfect. And the way he didn't win that belt tournament is perfect. So go on to the next one. I just think it's that I just watched uh the air movie, right? Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And when I don't know if you saw it or not, but there was something the mom wanted in the contract that made him pick Nike over Adidas. Because he was team Adidas through and through. Mm-hmm. That thing that he got in the contract, and I'm not gonna tell you because then it kind of ruins a plot point. Um, and obviously everyone knows he went with Nike, so I didn't ruin anything there. But the guy who gave it to him laid there. And the next day when the other guy told him, he goes, what are you doing? He goes, doing forgiveness. Uh, what do you call that shit? Meditation. He goes, what are you forgiving yourself for? He goes, because we might have just set a precedent that's going to have to be included in everybody else's deal from here going on. So it was it was something like, this is the situation with Cody. He's getting so much of what this he is the parameters of a return. This is my way to, or the to highway. To get somebody something. of value, like a Kenny and the Bucks and you know to whoever, get, you got to give. That's yeah. what the, that's but the, it's. I think it's paid done. off because I think Cody's gotten them what they wanted him to get them. Some right. new eyeballs, some new seats getting filled. Merchandise is clearly selling. I bought about $3,000 of it myself. Just got that shirt with him planting the flag. I'm going to wear it to SummerSlam. But uh, absolutely, it was – we can't talk about comebacks and, and not at least include them. And right. I didn't know we talked this long about them, but I think it's a significant comeback. But again, it's debuts, it's returns. Every parameter of this special spotlight – has to be an acknowledged reflection. So, you know, again, we're going to try to give as many as we can. So I'm going to give one for myself. And this was a very uh, humbling comeback for me in 1999 because, again, when you're in ECW Mark Reflection Nights, and TW, again, he didn't watch ECW. And, we're, you know, he's repented and he understands how wrong he was for not watching ECW. But as an ECW <laughs> fan, you know, when certain people left ECW, we we felt dejected. We felt pissed. We felt betrayed and all that stuff. Again, that's Paul Heyman, you know, feeding that into our brains. And we were cult-like about it. And I'm not going to, I'm not ashamed to say that. One of the people that left for the money, for guaranteed money, of course, I understand this years later, TW. So don't get me, don't get me started on that. I understand the, the logistics and the business. If the check clears, you go somewhere where the check clears and you can feed your family. But again, I was a fan. I was young and dumb. But when this man left to go to WCW, they changed his name. He meant nothing to them. 
But I'm I'm just glad that the the check's cleared. They call them hack. I puked when I heard that name hack. I hated his matches on WCW. That same man. <laughs> I completely but, forgot that. But when they didn't know, when Eric Bischoff didn't know what to do with him, and all that mismanagement happened, oh. Hack quit WCW, and Paul Heyman brought him back. And in August of 1999, TW, the lights went out in ECW, and uh, the Impact players were beating down Tommy Dreamer and Raven. It looked like every they were going to be, you know, sent to the hospital. They're going to be injured and all that stuff. But once the the lights went out. Everybody was like, well, who the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? But we did hear some name. We heard some rumblings with the 900 numbers. Sandman quit WCW. So we were like, is he coming back? Is he coming back? Is he coming back? And when the lights went on, Sandman was at the podium, at the stage, at the Eagle's Nest, had a beer coming out. And then when we heard Metallica, oh, God, we all just, we all creamed in our pants. I, had, I have to say this. I hate to say this. We all creamed in our pants that the Sandman is back. And people think that, you know, do people think that that Chris Jericho started people, you know, singing, you know, the Judas? No. ECW fans were singing Metallica into the Sandman way before people were singing Judas. But again, that's my little rant, TW. But Sandman was on the Eagle's Nest. He so I was singing all. the Mounties music even before that. Well, there you go. But I just want to say this. We were soaking it all in. We was enjoying the ambiance. We were we was happy. Our we could say this. Our hero is home, where he belongs. I didn't care about again. I didn't. I didn't. I'm not talking about his money issues. I'm not talking about the check clearing. I understand having having a family. You got to do what you got to do, TW. But for that one moment, he was back home, and I popped. The fans popped. Three hundred people in ECW sounded like sixty thousand people at AT and T Stadium. Some That's of the how best big crowds of wrestling in front of are 300 diehards. Right. So you got 30,000. If 20,000 are in the bathroom or sitting on their hands. And, you know, we can, we can nitpick like Sandman took too long to get to the ring to save Tommy Dreamer and Raven. I could say that. It's funny right now, but we didn't care. We, it's he, it, the, the number one thing we can nitpick is yeah. it's a surprise save, yet they play ring music. Mm-hmm. That, that alone takes the surprise off because, like, oh. The warrior must be coming. Even it was a 30, uh, not 30, 100 yard dash to get down there. It was a whole football field. And mm-hmm. bingo hall is probably not that big, but still. But I'm sure they stood there looking at him going, oh shit, and stopped beating up Tommy Dreamer for the, the, the moment. But right. he's a guy that it, it, the modern version of him, not, not character. I, I told my buddy while I was there at the show last week Orange Cassidy, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, and there's one other one. Um, those guys should never ever leave AEW. They're never gonna they're never gonna be as high as they are now anywhere else. M- maybe mm-hmm. Impact, but you know what I mean. Like going to the WWE would be a mistake for all of them. They're way too small. They're way too. Uh, there, there's AEW guys. There's niche. ECW guys. There's yeah. WWE guys who and you Sandman know that will be worked in ECW in a way that he was never going to work anywhere else. And I, man, when you said hack, I, I, I went, "That's fuck." I didn't mean to ruin your mojo, but I'm like, mm-hmm. he wasn't WCW as hack. It was even I knew who the fuck he was, and I'm like, what? And it's yeah. like, 
But I think it was because of copyright. That was why they couldn't call him Sandman. I don't care why they called him that. Because it was a comic. I think it was McFarlane's comic book. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing like a lot of people say. Like you just said, with there's AEW guys that shouldn't go to WWE because they won't be uh, booked right or they won't. But no, but they, they won't have there's the nothing wrong with how they're being used now. Stay there. Right. If you get paid, mm-hmm. stay there. You're living right. the dream. But again, we I didn't know about the Paul Heyman, you know, dodging checks and dodging the IRS. And again, I understand that now. But right. Sandman was an ECW guy. Sandman with the cane, the, the cigarettes and the and the Budweiser's. I don't know about if it was Bud Lights, but again, neither here nor there, Reflection Ice. Maybe I see was, yours in the back over there. Yeah, three Bud cases Lights. of it. Bud Lights were good. I don't know. It just t- it tastes like Coke. It's like it a Coke like classic. Fucking urine. It's, it's not good. Man, you know what? It's like a remember that movie with uh, Woody Harrelson and Bill Murray, the the bowling movie Kingpin. Kingpin. Remember that guy on the porch said, "Did you ever drink your own piss?" So okay, that's Bud Light. So what's it the is. difference? There you yeah. go. And it's other beers too. It's not just Bud Light. But it's it, other beers anyway. too. But I just wanted to give my like special moment because during the '90s, during the Monday Night Wars, and during when everybody was watching WWF, WCW, and ECW because they all had something in common at that point, TW, with the Monday Night Wars. You did not know who was going where because you knew they were all interconnected in some way, shape, or form. It just worked out that way. So that was a special time in the Monday Night Wars. And I want to say this. A man in the, in the, during the Monday Night Wars made two returns in two different companies. Mm-hmm. That man's name, and I said it to begin the show, is J-E-double-F. J-A-R-R-E-double-T. Not only did he do a return to WCW in 1996, but he did a return to WWF in 1997 and then did a return to WCW Monday Nitro at 1999. So, T.W., Jeff Jarrett knows how to do the returns. He knows how to do the debuts. Now, again, was the pop big in, in front of 10,000 people? Eh, I, I could say but no. He's always a heel, though. It's, it's, it's hard to get a pop when you're the heel. That, that's why I want to talk about Jeff Jarrett for a second because – most of his returns or debuts is in a heelish role. So you're not going to get the pop of, you know, yeah, yeah. But Jeff Jarrett got a different reaction, which is, oh, shit, he's here. Oh. So let's say you about the heel aspect of a return or debut. Because, again, you're not getting the pop, but you're hoping to get some sort of reaction. So what say you about the Jeff then, Jarrett? Back then, mm-hmm. good luck. Now? That you could be the guy who burned pictures of Jesus. If you show up on another company's show, you're getting a pop. You're mm-hmm. because of your tribalism, right? Right. So who's the who's the most hated guy? If Roman Reigns walked out on AEW, that fucking roof would explode. There's no doubt about it. And I don't know. I hate to use Dean Ambrose as the example the other way because. Yeah. He could go back to WWE and people. But he has a history there, so it would be a familiarity thing. AEW's never had Roman Reigns. So I think the only guy. There you go. I almost went with the other one. I almost went with that guy. Mm -hmm. You can't see him. And in 2024, when this guy walks out on a fucking WWE show, it is going to blow up cameras it it's going 
to we get a reaction. We don't know that, but let's let's just focus on the Monday but Night I'm Wars. It would happen, and he's the number one heel in their company. Yeah. He would be cheered, and you would get a holy shit chant the second he walked out. Now, for Jeff Jarrett, let's go back to Jeff Jarrett because in 1996, he actually he de- he he returned or debuted in WCW after leaving WWF. He was technically a tweener, but he was kind of like a tweener good guy because he was in the. Tr- he was for tradition. He hated the NWO and all that stuff. And, of course, he wanted to be a full horseman. But, you know, like you said, people knew who Jeff Jarrett was. So he did not get the big 10,000 screaming pop, you could say, the 10,000 screaming fan pop per se. But he was a name recognition. So, you know, Eric Bischoff got a return, so to speak, on his investment. 1997, he came back with a grievance against Eric Bischoff. So, of course, Vince McMahon wanted him back. Of course, he needed faces and he needed, you know, whatever. He needed anybody who wanted to get away from the guaranteed money from Bischoff. So, of course, you know, Jeff Jarrett is a businessman and he's a traditionalist. So he he took the money and and went with it. But the fans, again, with the Monday Night Wars and, of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin, no one's going to beat Austin. No one's going to beat an Austin Pop in 1997, TW. Let's be real. I'm realistic there. But, of course, Jeff Jarrett is a name. Now, 1999, I will say this. I think it was the biggest pop as a heel. He had he he still had his WWE look. He had the guitar. So all people were like, oh, shit, that's Jeff Jarrett. And, of course, he was on a pay-per-view on WWF on a Sunday. And then 24 hours later, debuted. On that was after the China match, right? Yeah, that was after the China match. So he debuted or re-debuted on Nitro. 24 hours later and made up impact putting you know smashing the the guitar over buff bagwell's head again i'm just trying to give you the logistics but i think to me in my humble opinion 1999 jeff jarrett got the biggest pop for the biggest reason because i think most people looked at him no there was no lag it's boom boom yeah it was it was again oh shit he was there 24 hours ago now he's invading back so he got the kind of pop and he got the kind of reaction i think jeff jarrett was looking for but he knew that he needed to leave WWF because he he already reached his ceiling. So he knew that getting this chance at WCW, I think he even knew he was going to become a heavyweight champion. So let's put a bow on Jeff Jarrett. What say you about Jeff Jarrett's decisions of leaving one company he, and coming that back? Guy's, and that. He's he's another uh, he's Teflon Don. That guy, I don't know because if you you hear stories of people not liking that guy, right? Like. I don't know how he's his the dude's laugh is infectious. Like I think I would have just shit ton of good times hanging out with that guy, right? So, but he's got a good mind for the business. He's got a good um, mind for like promotion, uh, not just the matches and wrestling in them. Um, he probably has a good eye for talent. Um, but for some reason, this guy, I, I remember at the time I was wrestling, and I'm like, man. This guy fucking changed his company. You'd think they both would want nothing to do with him because he was loyal to neither. But it was like hot potato, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I think when he left the second time, it had a lot more to do with Owen. Like, he just couldn't be there no more, right? Because it was 99. And well, that well, when, a lot. He, when he left the second time, it was Owen, the Owen thing and, of course, money. Everything well, was always, always going to be money. But I'm well, saying being there without Owen – hurts way more than being somewhere else without owing because nothing's going to be reminding you of them you you know what i mean like it's a whole new situation but the only guy that comes close for the same 
timeline, and it was because it was recorded, is Luger. He mm-hmm. shows up on Monday night, the very first Nitro, after being on Superstars or Challenge on Sunday. And then mm-hmm. the guy that beats them both is Rick Rude, who was the one I thought you were going to talk about because you said he was on both companies, and he was on Raw and Nitro on the same night. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 those are pretty three three pretty significant things because even Scott Hall, he got jobbed out at the Royal Rumble or whatever. No, it was in your house against Vader, and then... But then he was off TV for three right. months before he showed up there. Well, not three months, three three weeks. He was on TV, trust me. Trust the professor. But no, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I, I was telling you a different thing. Mm-hmm. He he jobbed out at Royal Rumble, and then they kept him off TV. Then they brought him back for that match against Vader and then lost, and then it was only a few weeks. But that's what they used to do. When your contract was coming up and you didn't re-sign, the last three months you were there, the first month you lost to everybody, and then the next two months you were not on TV. You did house shows, but, that was it. But the fans will never let, you know, the fans don't devalue you when you leave. The right. fans actually up your stock absolutely makes the heart grow fonder there you go so with scott hall they you know returning to wcw after the diamond stud incidents and all and the gator scott hall again reflection we're going to name some names because you know again i don't want to make this a five-hour podcast because right. there's too many but scott Hall is a great example the, what they did to him what vince did to him meant shit because once he made his debut as I scott know. hall himself Memorial Day weekend on Nitro, that's that was a different type of pop. That was an oh shit pop. He's here. No one said who's that. Everybody knew they were saying that's Razor. Razor's here. Razor's here. And when Kevin Nash made his uh re-debut or returned to WCW a couple of weeks later as Scott Hall's big man, big mystery man. Yeah, they wouldn't. They didn't every, call them names for like three weeks. They didn't call them names, but every fan was saying, "Oh shit, that's Diesel, Diesel." That's all. That's all you need. That's the pop you needed in the '90s during the Monday Night Wars. So that's a good thing. So I want to try to like, I want to do one more, and then we're gonna put a ball on everything else, TW. All right. So I want to give you your credence because during the '80s. Most of the returns reflection, I said, I'll try to explain this as best as I can. The best way in the territories slash WWF and NWA days for returns were injury angles. So when somebody beats you down, somebody, you know, they could beat you with a cane. They put a chair to your leg and all this stuff. Reflectionized. I'm just giving you a hy- hypothesis on this. Of course, you got the leg injury. You got to be taken to the hospital. But TW, you, you and I know when you did an injury angle, you was not off for like two weeks. You was off for months. Now, I'm going to use two different examples of a great return. One was Roddy Roddy Piper in 1985, no, 1986. Now, logistically speaking, in 1986, he was filming a movie, Body Slam. But they had to get him away. So how do you do that? Adorable Adrian Adonis and Bob Orton and Don Morocco beat the shit out of him, took a cane. Piper style. And they and they took a chair, went after his legs, and he was out for months. And you believed it because there was no rag sheets and no dirt sheets. So another example on the NWA side, because you kept mounting on this, is Ricky Morton. He got the shit kicked out of him by Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, 
Tully Blanchard and Ric Flair because Ricky Morton was one of those tag teams, as T.W. so eloquently always says, would be the one to challenge Ric Flair on a Great American Bash tour date, you could say, on a Saturday night. But he was going to be a number one contender, and, and you can over. believe it. And he was over like Rover. So, T.W., a couple of months later after, and I'll go back to Piper for a second, a couple months after, you know, filming Body Slam, it was like about, I think it was about three or four months, you could say. But they played it off well. Because on TV, adorable Adrian Adonis had the flower shop. He was doing interviews and all that stuff. And lo and behold, there was no music, T.W., no bad pass for play. He just came out and tore the set of, uh, you know, tore the setup of the flower shop and beat the shit out of Adorable Adrian Adonis and said the war just begun. And, of course, T.W., Ricky Morton, I think he did. they did the broken nose angle with Ricky Morton. So he was not out for months. He was out for weeks. But they played it off beautifully, and he came. I think he came back with a mask, if I'm not yep. mistaken. And Cody Rhodes mask, the handsome Cody Rhodes. And man. he beat the shit out of Ric Flair. He beat the shit out of Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Ollie Anderson, and of course the Rock and Roll Express got their heat back. And of course we were raring to go. On one side we were raring to go for Piper against Adorable Adrian. On the other side we were raring to go with Ricky Morton against Ric Flair. So what say you about the injury angle? To you know storyline injury angle to make a return even better. What's that First and foremost, not that you need me to tell you that Ricky Morton has wrestling in his veins because the dude probably wrestled last night somewhere at fucking 80. But mm -hmm. it's it's like a thing of legends. Like you've heard it once, you've heard it a million times. I don't know if it's just in wrestling circles or if it's in the magazines because it's definitely breaking kayfabe. When he was being beaten up, he, he told them, hit me, hit me, hit me. And... He had a black eye from Arn's fist. And then when he got in the back, he took sandpaper and scuffed up his head so that when he came out to do the promo, that there was a scab. There was scabbing and everything there because it might have been gimmick blood. I don't know if it was gimmick blood or real blood, but mm -hmm. he, he did that with the sandpaper. And like, so when he came out, he had a black eye. He had scuff marks from, that's why he did the sandpaper. Um, they rubbed his face on the concrete. That's what they were mm -hmm. doing. So he went in the back and rubbed up his face with, with sandpaper so that it looked like his face got rubbed on concrete. And everyone's like, Ricky, you don't want to do that. And he's like, I'm doing it. And his return, I've never seen it on video. I've tried looking for it. Today I didn't. I, I was going to. He Josh, Josh Flober, TN Coupon, yes, maybe you can find, find it. it for TW and tweet it to his Twitter. But I've had people describe it to me, and it just sounds like, man, it's like the thing dreams are made. And I picture every crowd, 60,000 people, but it was one of them Omni shows where Superstars is on in the daytime and trying to get you to go to, uh, or not Superstars, but uh, Saturday night. And you're supposed to go to the Omni later that day. And they said the lights went out. And then everyone's like cigarette lighters came on. Oh, then it's, it's the house show. We'll never find it. It's the slow version of Here I Go Again by uh, Whitesnake. Mm -hmm. Like where the beginning slow and then it gets to the part where it goes. Da -na 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 -na. And he came out and just stood there. And they said the place, it was like standing ovation. Everyone went banana for like five minutes. And then he ran out and fought Flair. He probably lost by disqualification mm -hmm. or won by disqualification. But. It was a pretty, and, and like, I, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of these debuts we talked about were people just coming back to a company. This was an injury angle. And he, those were, Steamboat had one where he got DDT'd by Jake the Snake and he was out for months. I don't know what he was doing while he was out. 
no, no, not, not that one. You're talking about Steamboat and Savage. Savage with the the, cu- the belt. Yeah, the, the, belt. Be- the, the belt to the throat. Yeah, but Jake the Snake, DDG, Ricky Steamboat on the kite moved the it didn't, it, But it didn't have the same impact and lasting for it, he right. was out the, for weeks. Yeah, and that wasn't a, that wasn't a was planned injury. That wasn't a planned injury with him and, and Jake the Snake. Macho Man and Steamboat, that was planned right. to carry over. So I get what you're saying. I just want to give yeah. you the logistics. But the but some of the injury angles are the best injury comeback of all time. And it was a legit injury. You you mentioned it earlier. And again, I know you want to wrap it up, but I'm just saying there's, there's so many. But this is a legit injury angle. And this guy was supposed to be out for a year. And he shows up as number 30 in Boston and won the Royal Rumble. It was John no. Cena. Massive Square Garden. I oh, was there. Square Garden? I thought it was mm-hmm. Boston. So mm-hmm. he shows up and just stood there. And the place went insane. And it was torn tricep. And he healed in three months. And they thought he was going to be out a year. Mm-hmm. And he won the Royal Rumble. And I remember thinking, uh, he probably just thought it was a safe match. He'll do the Royal Rumble. And then he'll take another three, six months off. Nope. He was back full time after that. And then um, that one. But, but yes, Piper's. I, I completely forgot about that. That's how they turned him good guy too, because he mm-hmm. well, he kind of was already a good guy because the Bret Hart thing with the uh, I think the icy belt, but you know like the whole I liked you as a kid. I knew your daddy, and then dropped the belt back to him. But uh, but yeah, those the, the the injury comebacks are like especially as a kid, they're awesome because you want them to come back and whoop the person's ass who injured them, and that's why you're you're happy for it. Another injury angle we could talk about for a second. Again, like I said, reflection this could be a five-hour show, so I'm going to try to abbreviate it as best. Started the first ever Starcade Flair for the gold. How? Because Ric Flair returned from an injury angle thanks to Harley Race, thanks to Dick Slater, thanks to Bob Orton, who who were the mercenaries that Harley Race paid ten thousand dollars to eliminate Ric Flair. I think they did the pile driver on the chair. I think it was a neck injury and all that stuff. But Ric Flair was out for about a couple of, like two or three months before the uh, November uh, Thanksgiving uh, pay-per-view or special event, you could say, TW. But they did an injury angle. They gave him some time off, and he returned with the neck brace, and he returned as Batman. So I just wanted to give credence to what you're talking about with the injury angle. And, of course, the fans popped. For the you know for Ric Flair coming back, so what say ETW about Ric Flair because that's his his injury right? angle that's pre Horseman, but his injury angle was a prelude to what what would become a tradition of pay per views for Starcade. Would that be a success? Hell yeah, that was a success. That you know at the what was it that the Charlotte Memorial Coliseum or was it Greensboro Greensboro Memorial Greensboro Coliseum? For the, the highway shut down because of Ric Flair versus Harley Race. So it meant something. So that injury angle meant something for, for people to go down to Greensboro and sell out that building. So what say you tell me about you that? You mentioned Roddy Piper, man. That dude will tell you every time he talked. That guy had people throwing batteries at him, trying to stab him in the parking lot. The mm-hmm. Southern fan, dude, you do an injury angle down there, you better get the street shut down so you can get out of town because then people wanted your ass, man. They they worship wrestling down there, man. It was that Friday Night Lights. That's what the South was all about, wrestling and football. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, that's all before my time, obviously. You, that's that's you looking back at history because I mean, before your time, too. You're, I'm 10. You must be 7 in 83. So, um, But it's funny. The reason I brought up the Horseman thing is it almost comes across as if you can't beat them, join them. And then Flair mm-hmm. does the same tactics 
as the heel champion that Harley Harley Race did to him, which makes him easier to hate. Like, dude, you you hated it when people did it to you, and now you're doing it to people. And he says, yeah, it works. I don't think they ever did that, but that's what he could say is that it works. I'm going to do one more, TW. And it better be the one that I think it is because we cannot not talk about the, the one of the biggest ones ever. Well, you, you'll talk about this okay. because I want to say this. You, you're going to give your one more. I'm going to give my one more because right. this, this one more is actually it, – it precedes yours because of how big it was. 1984, Wait. Reflection Nights. <laughs> this was a return. But there was two problems – I'm not going to say a problem, but there was two variables that Vince McMahon Jr. had to overcome. He had to overcome the Madison Square Garden audience. And I'm going to explain why. Because when Bob Backlund lost the belt to the Iron Sheik, Vince McMahon Jr. knew he did not want Bob Backlund to become a two-time champion. He had a vision. And that vision was in Minnesota. And that vision needed to come back to New York. And in 1984, Vince McMahon solved two problems at once. He got Bob Backlund to co-sign for his return and say he's legit. And he's a good guy. And in 1984, T.W., Hulk Hogan came back to the WWF as a good guy. Bob Blackman made sure that the fans knew that he was a good guy, that he turned his ways. He's not going to be influenced by bad, by demons and devils and all that stuff. He was straight shooting. He was an All-American. And if it wasn't for Bob Blackman's endorsement, to a degree, I'm not saying that it would have mattered, but to a degree, Bob Blackman kind of gave the Godfather seal of approval. He's a friend of ours. It, it allowed Vince McMahon Jr. to do what he did and for the vision that WWE would become thanks to Hulkamania. So I wanted to give credence because that is one of the biggest returns ever because it changed the landscape of professional wrestling forever. That's why we're here. That's why, That's we're, why here. we're here. So, you T.W., what? you there's want to talk about thing, it? or you? There's, there's another thing about that that I used to notice it all the time in all the toys, all the – so – you know, McMahon has people writing music so he doesn't have to pay rights for songs and stuff like that. When mm -hmm. Edge came back and he used Rob Zombie's music, that was mm -hmm. a that was a trade. We'll let you use our song, but you got to let us use Edge in the video. And so that that wasn't a paid thing. And then he kept it for a long time. Anyway, one thing that they also had to do for Hogan, and I thought you were going to say this is one of the two things he had to get over. They had to pay Marvel to call him Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. Every WWE product with Hulk Hogan's name on it said copyright Marvel Comics Group. And so that's that's a pretty big investment. I don't know how much you had to pay Marvel at the time. They were almost bankrupt. That might well, because, even, that because might even be a dark side of the ring. He was called the incredible Hulk Hogan first. Right. He wasn't called right. the real American. So I understand right. where you're going with that. Yeah, but. Yeah, but, they, but but even if it said just Hulk, it, they had to pay Marvel. And mm -hmm. so that's that's a pretty big investment. I think they got their money's worth. What do you think? Absolutely. Nine billion dollars later in 2020, <laughs> you better goddamn believe it was a great investment. And now to put a bow on it, TW will close with the return that he wants to talk about for a long time. And it happened in 2017 in front of 70 or 80,000 in Tampa, Florida. It was another worst kept secret. So the floor is yours. It, no, that one was a good secret. I mean, mm -hmm. the were, night before, they were wrestling for Ring of Honor. That's why we knew. Right? But no. We, that gave us... Okay, trust, trust the IWC. How about that? There I you go. Know. Thank you very much. But go ahead, that, TW. 
I'll never forget it as long as I live. Because New Day hosted. It was done so beautifully that you just at some point forgot all about them. And then when the New Day came out and said, you got three tag teams out there. We think you need one more. And went, hoo, 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 hoo. And everyone and their brother thought it was going to be Kofi and Xavier. And then that one note hit, and these dudes came out. And it was absolutely goosebump city. It was so awesome that to this day, six years later, when I watch it, I can remember how I felt. I felt good for them. I, I didn't care. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I've never been a big Hardy Boys guy. But for them to have that moment after however long they'd been gone, and they were the belt collectors. They were the, they were the ones, mm-hmm. champions. At, I think they lost the Impact belts a week before that, Ring of Honor, and then all that. So when that music hit, it, it was deafening in your house. So I can only imagine how loud it was. I think that was in Dallas, too, wasn't it? Tampa. It was either it was Tampa, Tampa or Orlando. Orlando? Mm-hmm. It was absolutely insane. And and both of them looked extremely grateful. And just, just to think of the road that Jeff Hardy was on to come back there for that. And he's the one that stuck around longer, you know? But uh but it's just it was to me, it's my third favorite WrestleMania moment, which is saying something because I wasn't a fan of theirs. You know what I mean? Like Mm-hmm. I appreciate them. That's why I have their figures. But that's probably the reason they're in my Hall of Fame is because you you cannot deny their contribution to the wrestling business. And mm-hmm. I hope this last run, that's like three years going, I, the, the kiss of wrestling, uh, I hope it's a good one. And I hope, you know, they, the, they, they will become a, they were supposed to be AEW tag team champions. They will be AEW tag team champions probably by the end of this calendar year. But for 2017 purposes, it was a nice pop, don't, no doubt about it. But again, it was the worst kept secret because again, I was under the dirt sheets. I already knew I was involved. I in knew Twitter. it was talked about, but people weren't sure because they were wrestling for Ring of Honor the night before. No, yeah, the night before. But the the question was, was they going to win the ladder match? They lost to the Bucks, so we already said, all right, they're coming. That was it. It was a it was a moot point. But but I understand that you weren't convinced. But the professor was totally convinced. Billy Ray was totally convinced. And 8-Track Brown was totally convinced they were going to be there. And, of course, I'm not going to say I was I was, I was was saying, like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. I was like, oh, yeah, finally, yes. They're no, here. Not. And they won the WWE Tag Team titles on their first night back in right. 2017 at the Fatal 4-Way for the Tag Team titles. So with that being said, we close. I hope you had – I hope we gave you examples. And if you – if we forgot some – Please leave it on the Pro Pro Wrestling Reflection Facebook fan page. Leave your comments if this gets uploaded by 8-Track Brown on the YouTube networks of returns and debuts that we might have forgotten. So, TW, give out those socials so we can finally get out of here. And what are we going to do next week, Reflection Nights? I don't know. I'll keep you on your toes. I'll keep you on your toes. Go ahead. On your toes. All right. The Pro Wrestling Coalition Network is PWC Network at Podbean.com. Hami Media Group at Podbean.com is, and also Hami Media Group Channel Attitude.com. Our show is at PW Reflection on the Twitter. Um, Big Ray can't do it without him. He makes all those cool little thumbnails for us uh, and post production and everything else. Um, that's at Big Ray Hernandez on every single social media there is. Um, I can be on Instagram at Tommy Wonder19, but also 
My political Twitter is at Tommy Wonder 19. Snapchat.com is number wonder. I don't know why I said .com. Uh, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. And at the Tommy Wonder is my wrestling uh, Twitter and my TikTok handle. Uh, Big Vito and Noel can be found at BigVitoBrand.Wixsite.com. Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito Brand. And you can watch the early release of this video at Twitch.tv backslash the Big Vito Brand. And then, of course, somehow, someway, somewhere, the dumb, dumb duo and an idiot since you brought him up. Uh, by the way, Matt, listen to our show last week. I actually shared the link, not knowing it was YouTube. And he says, man, I want to talk to you because he wants me to do a podcast with him or whatever about hockey or something. But uh, he's like, I love that your partner said that dumb, dumb duo owns you or something like that. <laughs> he said something like, I don't know something or another but you said, I said dumb dumb do it its own that that's how i oh, introduced oh you. that's what he said the dumb mm-hmm. dumb duo's own i thought he said mm-hmm. owns me i didn't understand yeah. what he meant and i was mm-hmm. like oh, owns me but uh we are talking frequently about what we're going to do we're just trying to figure out what it is we're going to do because he, he wants to make it smaller ones that we can put on tiktok too and then have longer versions on the youtube but that's dumb dumb duo and an idiot at youtube Back to uh, you, Chip. All right. Well, thank you very much, Chap. But anyway, you can find me on my Twitter at PWHustlePRF. That's PWHustleProf. And if, if this gets uploaded by 8Track Brown, it will be available on the PWHustle YouTube networks. Follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi Wan You Know Me. And of course, the king of the reactions, who's taking a little vacation break himself. You can find him at the number 8 TRAC Brown. And before we actually close, I know, always know that TW. Uh, he uh, he gives a funny goodbye, but I don't want to do a funny goodbye, TW. I just want to send our prayers. Hopefully, when this gets uploaded this weekend, give your prayers to superstar Billy Graham. He's on the men in, in a hospital bed right now. His wife, I believe, said a couple of days ago, uh, Reflection Ice, that you know the doctors wanted him wanted to uh, pull the plug of life support away from that. But of course. Like TW, like Pastor Travis Volt, the power of prayer. His wife will not allow it. So give your thoughts and prayers to superstar Billy Graham and let's hope that he can beat this. And with the power of prayer, TW, let's, you know, send our love, our, our well wishes to superstar Billy Graham. I don't, you know, let's put some positive energy for superstar Billy Graham and hopefully he can live a natural life and have his natural, you know, can do a natural life and and make the comeback as best as he can. No pun intended for sure, but and make a a return the best way we know how. That that would be the greatest return, TW. Would you agree on that? So with that being said, let's offer our well wishes to Superstar Billy Graham. I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful. Dum 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 Do And in in its own, that's the way I say it. Tommy Wonder saying goodnight and we'll see you next time here at the PWR Podcast at Tommy Media Group at Pawbeam.com. 